The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Today, Mark Schofield. Uh, we had a week off last week. I joined Roy White on his show. So, me and Mark uh, played hooky a week to just get ready for all this groundbreaking analysis that we're going to bring you today. Uh, not a whole lot has happened in the football world, really, you know, especially in the Cowboys' perspective. But we're going to break down this uh, Dalton Schultz situation a little bit today that's taken the Cowboys' fandom and Twitter by storm. Uh, but before we get to it, Mark, you doing all right? I'm doing well. And Connor, That's not exactly true. We have massive break in NFL news this morning. I'm going to read quickly from an email I just received. E&J Gallo Winery announced as the official wine sponsor of the National Football League. The multi-branded, multi-year agreement makes Gallo the official wine sponsor of the NFL. The partnership is uniquely structured to engage NFL fans and will include opportunities for local team activation, player imagery, and appearances on-site presence at premier events and broadcast digital and social content from NFL kickoff through the Super Bowl. Connor, we have a, an official wine sponsor of the National Football League. How tremendous is that? That's it's the offseason, man. It's the offseason. I guess, I guess I get I said that and then I thought about it. I was like, I guess the Broncos should just sell their team for the most money ever. So that's a little bit of news, but Nothing yeah, the Cowboys I mean, fans are all that excited about. <laughs> I don't think Cowboys fans care too much about, you know, the Broncos being sold. And frankly, I don't know if they care too much about the NFL having an official winery. But if yeah. they do, it's Ian J. Gallo. And, you know, they're you barefoot. Hey, it's not too bad. Hey, awesome. we're, give, we're giving free sponsorship out right now. That's, that's bad business. I mean, you know, it, it's it's a plea for sponsorship. How about that? It's, it's, a, yeah. it's just the initial ask, right? Yeah, yeah, so... No, yeah, we, we didn't record last week. I had COVID last week, so I sounded like I just got my my throat ran over by an 18-wheeler, so that was not fun. Um, got over that, so I'm, I'm getting back to normal. But, yeah, so over the week we were off, you know, Dalton Schultz had announced that he was not going to be attending the mandatory OTA period, which isn't a big deal, um, but Cowboys Twitter, like it does also, 
oh so often makes everything a big deal and that has turned into a big topic of conversation whether it's regarding the value of Dalton Schultz whether it's regarding the leverage that he has in this situation I wanted to talk to you a little bit about it because I have a take on it and it really kind of goes away from the consensus take on it so I wanted to get your opinion on the Dalton Schultz situation the value he brings to that offense, and then maybe some of the leverage aspects that he has in a potential holdout. Yeah, I mean, I think we could sort of start there. I, I do think that at this point in the season, he has a fair amount of leverage because we have obviously a July 15th deadline for a long-term extension. And we know that in the real world, like deadlines make deals. And there are a few things that a player could do, but the most powerful thing that he can do is not attend team activities of any kind, whether it's OTAs, whether it's mandatory minicamp. It's not a situation where this is training camp, but we're getting close to, say, week one of the NFL season, and you really need Dalton Schultz to be there. You don't. You're doing initial install stuff. You're doing stuff that he's already seen, that he already knows. It's not like they have a new offense, new offensive coordinator, new quarterback, anything like that. It's the same group. So, I'm not concerned about it from a man. He needs to get this work in situation. He doesn't. I, this is, and I've, I've seen people talk about how this is actually a good opportunity for some of the rookies like Ferguson, some of the other right. guys that might need some reps to get those opportunities. And so I, I think that's also something to keep in mind. I think he has leverage right now. I mean, the problem is if we get closer and closer to July 15th and there's no movement on either side, he's going to start losing that leverage. And so from that perspective, it makes sense for him to do this right now. There's also some business decisions angles to this as well. Say he shows up and blows out his knee. Then what? And as much as look, I'm guilty of it. We're all guilty of it. Right. Even when we try to be analysts, but the fan hat sort of creeps back in. We want to see these guys in. We want to see them working out. We want to see them together. He's got to make the decisions that make the most sense for him. This is a business. And so I saw this and I'm like, ah, I get it. It, it makes yeah. sense. I'm not, I'm not really bothered by it. Now, like I said, if this was August and we're having this discussion where he's holding out from camp, I think that's a different dis, dis, you know, yeah. discussion. It, it, and so the discussion on Cowboys, which I know you you watch it, you see it, but you're not invested in it as much as I am. Thank God. I, I'm jealous of you. But uh, I've seen some of the replies in your threads, man. And I uh, brutal every day. But I'm like, man, Connor we've seen recently, like. We've seen people literally who get placed on the franchise tag and sign the franchise tag. Not that I'm saying Dalton Schultz will do this. Demarcus Lawrence did it a couple of years ago. He said, cool, I'll play on the franchise tag. I also get shoulder surgery after I sign this franchise tag and I won't play for you this year. I'll get my guaranteed money and I'm not going to play a snap for you. That's got to be in the back of these guys' minds nowadays, I think, because I think it, I mean, I don't know the whole, people said that there's some new CBA, you know, rules that kind of make, make that not as easy nowadays. But again, like we've seen guys recently that, they can play that injury card if they want to, if, if they feel like they're getting slighted in offers and, you know, they feel like the franchise, because the franchise tag isn't a player friendly thing. People kind of take it as it is because it's this, you know, a big chunk of money and it's fully guaranteed, but it's a big risk. If you go out and play on the franchise tag and you blow out your knee or you destroy your hip and you can never play football again, that's all you're going to see. You're not going to see any more money. So for me, I look at it as a guy who didn't get opportunities until year three. He took advantage of all those opportunities in year three. He took advantage of his opportunities a lot last year. 
he's only got two years of really playing, getting playing time. And if he's going to go, man, I, you know, I was making peanuts for this four years. I didn't really get a shot until year three. I'm not going to risk my, you know, long-term stability, my long-term, you know, health, my long-term financial gain just to go play 16 games. And again, like right now people are telling me sucks. So like, I'd be doing the same thing. I'd block people on Twitter and <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, you know, you know, hold out and prove my worth because outside of CD lamb name, the other uh, weapon that this Cowboys offense, the, the, the other weapon that has some, you know, consistency with Dak Prescott that has some value to the offense. You can't really do it. I mean, yeah. and, and that also it's James Washington. It's, I mean, again, you're, we're talking about Jake Ferguson and, you know, at that point, right. Dalton Schultz is going, look, I'm, I'm the one B here right now. I'm the only consistent, player that this offense has seen over the last two or three years everybody else is new or unproven so sure (laughs) and that gets connor right to his leverage here which is okay (laughs) if you aren't going to work out a long-term deal with me if we're not going to go down that road look around this roster and yes Jalen Tolbert has potential. There's certainly potential with james washington you know michael gallup when healthy is a solid wide receiver in the national football league but like you said, outside of C.D. Lamb, where does this passing game run through in terms of the right. target? It Schultz has a ton of leverage from that perspective. So I think absolutely he's got a ton of leverage at this point. The, the fear that so you sort of outline there is if this gets into August, no right. long-term deal is done. And it's clear that if he plays this year, it's under the tag. And then he decides, you know, I, I'm sitting out a little bit longer that also had that will start having ramifications on this team but at the same time you can almost understand it from a Dalton Schultz what's in his own personal best interests because like right. you said the franchise tag it's kind of like a scam you right. know players don't want to get tagged that's like you know worst case scenario in some sense and i know it sounds silly right 10.9 million dollars guaranteed is a worst case scenario but it is a one year deal and if you get hurt on that deal What's going to happen to you? It's, it, I mean, Blake Jarwin's, Blake Jarwin's a perfect example. You know, he was a yeah. young player, like had some minor injuries. He hurt his hip last year. And now he's probably never going to play football again. You know? So yes. Yeah. It's, it's literally a perfect example of a guy who played the position on that team, how quickly an injury can kind of change your future. So, um, no, no. I mean, like I said, I just think people misinterpret what the word leverage is. You know, like they right. look at it as, oh, they, you know, he, he can't hold their feet to the fire. He's on the franchise tag. And it's like, I mean, if he really wanted to get nasty with it, he could. Demarcus Lawrence was going to do it a couple of years ago before they gave him a deal. He was going to sign the franchise tag because he was going to get the second year franchise tag placed on him. And he was going to get shoulder surgery as soon as he signed it and not play. <laughs> that is a weapon that the players can, and fans, which I don't get, but fans who like, back up the rich owners and that and the general managers like I, I just never get it where they're like i never i'm so glad you brought i've never understood how in this sort of power structure where the ownership has all the money and a ton of the power yeah. and players there's only so many different things they can do and they're the ones that are physically putting their bodies on the line right. in an industry and for a career that the average lifespan is like three years how whatever this comes up, people side with teams and arms. Like I've never understood that. And maybe it's me, but it seems like we're on the same page there. Yeah, I don't I don't get it either. I mean, don't get me wrong, like there's some like 
sure, I would have preferred the team to not pay Ezekiel Elliott what they paid him just because of the positional value and looking at it from a you know team building perspective. I would have went, yeah, I probably wouldn't have done that, but I'm not gonna kill the guy for getting paid. Like good player, got paid. Good for you. That's what you should do. But the people who like are like, oh, they they need to be more team friendly, less me friendly. I go back to Demarcus Lawrence this offseason. He had a big cap hit coming up. He reduced his cap hit by more than half to help the team save money. And in return, they traded Amari Cooper, they cut Lyle Collins, and they botched the Randy Gregory deal. So he made the team help the team out a ton, and they did absolutely nothing with the help that he gave them. So you can't, I mean, again, like I get it if people are like, doing the Tom Brady. That's the, that's the example, right? Tom Brady is, Oh, Tom Brady never got paid the most money. And it's like, well, come on. And that is such a flawed example because he wasn't even the primary wage earner in his marriage. Yeah. Right? I don't, He's married people, to a supermodel who's making 10 times what he is. Like, I know. I don't get it. Like these, most guys aren't married to the most famous supermodel in the world. Right. <laughs> And also, let's not forget, and I can say this as a Patriots fan, they also had the TB12 program. Facility, right? In there. They were in the facility. So Tom Brady is not the argument to make if you want to say that like, guys have to be more friendly and take less money. Tom Brady was well taken care of, and he could yes. afford to take less money. And he also knew that there's going to be money down the road, too, because clearly he's you know going to be um, – apparently he's going to be an underwear model himself, thanks to Giselle's IG <laughs> So, I mean, Tom Brady is not the example, and I'm saying that as a Patriots fan, kid. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I just, like I said, it's, it's, it's a very flawed conversation, in my opinion, and, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, I mean, it sounds like we're kind of on the same page here, so maybe we're wrong. Maybe, I'll, yeah, maybe I'll we are, but of- I just, I, I'm firmly of the mindset that, and we see this now at the college level, right? Right. With the NIL stuff, get your money when you can, you yeah. know, especially if you're a football player, because the lifespan is short. And you're putting your body on the line and it, you have these moments of leverage like he does with a July 15th deadline, Dalton Schultz returning to that. We're take advantage of it, you know, and if it, the deal doesn't get done and we're back here in mid-August having the same conversation because he hasn't come to camp yet, you know, maybe you start to change your position a little bit, but you can still f- for at least understand where he's coming from, right. you know, because. And, and I don't think he's like, I don't think he would ever take a hold out into the year like we've seen what a handful of guys ever yeah. do that it wasn't us you know really a smart decision because they were running back you know one was a running back and um i think one was a receiver if i'm not mistaken last guy to do it but it it's it's not a great idea because it's a big financial risk but again he's in the position that if he wanted to really go full force on this he kind of has the ability to do it because you have Jeremy Sprinkle, Sean McEwen, and Jake Ferguson behind him. Right. So if he wanted to go, hey, fellas, good luck with that when the season starts, when you lost Amari Cooper, your offensive line could look worse. And the only player that has had any kind of consistency with your quarterback is not going to be there. Have fun, uh, have fun and, doing and, that. And there's a schematic element here too, right? You know, we're talking about not just, you know, what – Dalton Schultz sort of brings to this team from a receiving perspective. But let's remember what we spent a while talking about in the buildup to the draft, right? Questions about this offensive line. You know, if you've got questions about, you know, Tyron Smith's a bit older, you know, you've got, you know, Steele slotted in right now as your right tackle. What's one of the ways you can help offensive linemen in the pass protection game? Keep it a tight end in the block. And I know that seems a little bit silly, but – 
He can also say, hey, look, you know, if you want to do some things where you've got to have six man protection schemes and you need me there. What's that worth to you? I'm, uh, I'm going to ask you. I mean, I know you're not just crushing the Dalton Schultz tape left and right, but the conversation on Dalton Schultz is soured for most Cowboys fans because they think he is, quote unquote, the worst tight end blocker in the NFL. And I just think that that goes to show you that people do not watch much football because I think he is an above average blocker. I'm not going to say he's a great blocker. I'm not going to say he's an elite blocker. But if you take the 32 starting NFL tight ends in the NFL, he is comfortably in the top 16. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say that without hesitation. And, and you are not a Cowboys fan. You no, are not. You cover not. the NFL as a whole. You watch a lot of these guys. I, tight ends shouldn't be asked to block a ton to begin with. Right. Okay? That, let's say that at the outset. But in terms of asking – a tight end to chip and release in terms of asking a tight end. Like, do I trust Dalton Schultz one-on-one in pass protection against Vaughn Miller? No, I don't. There's no tight end in the league that I trust in that scenario. But do I trust Vaughn, I mean, Dalton Schultz in this scenario against the Vaughn Millers of the world to chip and release and get to the flat and get into his route quickly and give his tackle a chance to finish that block? Absolutely, without hesitation. And there are some tight ends that I don't trust in. Even that scenario, like taking Mike Gisecki. I want to trust him for a second. There's a lot of tight ends I want to trust in that scenario. So for that as well, I think Dalton Schultz has leverage here. That and that that's what I was getting ready to add. That's another like I was getting in a small argument with a guy on Twitter yesterday who was like, he's a terrible blocker. And he started naming off like tight end three, you know, like Blake Bells of the world, who are literally on a team blocking block. tight ends. And yeah. I'm like, you can't lump those guys in. You can't do that. Like, I don't think you can do that for that position because it's like. Are we going to kill Gasecki and say he's not a good tight end because he can't block? No, you kind of have to look at it as two separate, almost three. You have to look at your receiving tight ends, your blocking tight ends, and then your dual threat tight ends. Yeah. And I think Dalton Schultz in the role he's asked to play is a dual threat guy, a guy who can block and do a little bit of run blocking. Can I think the most struggles he has is in space when they put him as, you know, when they do the screen games and the stuff right. like that. And they're he, asking him to like be the apex guy in a bunch and block right. a corner. Like, right. That's, that's a little bit. Tough. Yeah. Right. So, so again, like that's where his struggles come in. I think people see those reps and they just go, this guy's terrible. But like when you actually sit down and evaluate the run blocking reps, you know, even like some of those chip and release pass blocking reps and even some of the stuff he does do one-on-one against, I mean, not Von Miller, but when you got to block Derek Barnett, you see him right. have good reps against some of those mid-tier rushers, you know, at times. And again, no tight ends just going to other, you see the reps of George Kittle and stuff like that, where he just bodies dudes. But that is a one-of-one guy. Like, Gronk's been a good blocker for most of his career. There's good blocking tight ends, don't get me wrong. Not putting him in that tier. But I think Cowboys fans watch a lot of Cowboys games. They don't watch a ton of the the game tape, the All-22, and they form opinions based on what they see on replays and what a few people talk about. So A a tremendous exercise that – it's something I do every offseason – is to watch average to below average players at a couple of different positions to remind yourself of like just what it takes to be great. Like I just got done studying, for example, Nick Mullins, Mike White, and uh, Tim Boyle at the quarterback position. Um, so I look, you watch lower level tight ends. You can do that too. Guys that like, they can run two routes guys that you're not trusting them to block. 
guys that are pure blocking tight ends. And then when you start talking about Dalton Schultz and where he sort of fits in this tight end tier, he's a dual threat guy that, yeah, you're not leaving perhaps one-on-one 16, 17 times a game with a Khalil Mack. But the stuff he gets asked to do within the confines and structure of this offense, he does at a very high level. And I think that's what matters here. Is he the best blocking tight end in the league? No. Is he the best receiving threat of the tight end in the league? No. Is he one of the best dual threat guys in this league? I think he's top 12. And what's that worth? Yeah. Yeah. So we're, just because you kind of took it there, we're, we're like, if you had to rank him as tight end rankings, you got 32 starting tight ends. Where do you think, you know, he goes because well, again, I will tell that, you, Connor, on July 18th, my top 11 tight ends are going to drop at USA Today, and I, I could pretty much guarantee you Dalton Schultz will be on that list. Let's put it that way. Okay, like it, like it. And that's that's I mean, where, again, don't think he's top five. Like, no, I he's think, probably not top five, but I right. think there's a strong case to be made that he's top 10. Yep, I, I completely agree. And again, I don't, I want to let, I want to say this too for people who are listening to this and going, you know, there's no way he, if you're talking about like, I'm not sitting here making an argument that he should like, I want him to make this a ton of money from a Cowboys perspective, but I want to make the argument that he has the resume to ask for it and has the leverage to say, I deserve to be paid this from a team building perspective. I might've built my team a little bit different to where I didn't have to solely rely on Dalton Schultz going in this offseason. Maybe I tried to get a deal with him done midway point last year and go, Hey, instead of offering you, $13 million, would you take this $8 million deal in week five last year? And you saw him have a good year. You saw him get into the season last year and start having a good year and try to get him to take more of a team-friendly deal because you're coming to the table early. You're not letting the season play out and then placing a franchise tag on. But you're starting to value it, you know, $12, $13, $14 million, and then you're allowing the David Njoko deals, the, you know, the more of the Johnny Smith, Hunter Henry deals to start kind of playing out what that tight end market looks like. And unfortunately, it's continuing to go up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just the way that the league is working right now. The only position that seems to be going the other way is running back. But like, yeah. here are some guys that are getting paid more right now than Dalton Schultz. Logan Thomas, Will Disley, Tyler Conklin, Molly Cox, Ian Thomas, like... You got to at least tell me that Dalton Schultz is a better tight end than those guys, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, come on. I so many Cowboys fans right now just think he's a product of the system. You know, like that's been the response I get is he's only he only has this amount of yards and these touchdowns and these receptions because everybody's focused on such, such, and such. And I know that to not be true because I watched games last year where defenses actually targeted him as the threat because they were like, okay, look, Amari Cooper's not, you know, he's banged up. He's not winning on yep. the outside. CeeDee Lamb, you know, we can, we feel like we can contain him, but and I think it, I think it was the Patriots game where they really targeted Dalton Schultz a lot in that game. That's very much a bill. I was exactly going to go there. Bill Belichick believes firmly in his mind that there's nothing more dangerous than a tight end who is a receiving option, who is a mismatch nightmare. And if you want more examples of that, two years ago when they played the Eagles and they had, you know, Zach Ertz mm-hmm. on third and seven situations, third and plus situations, passing situations, Stephon Gilmore covered the tight end in man right. cover. Like when Bill Belichick pays the tight end attention, more attention than you would expect, it's because he understands that he's a true receiving threat. I mean, another example, every time the Patriots play the Chiefs, it's Travis Kelsey who's getting triple teamed at right. times. It's not Tyreek. It's not the other guys. It's Kelsey. And so yeah. when you see the Patriots do that, look, I'm an idiot. Connor's an idiot. We're idiots. Bill Belichick 
arguably the greatest X's and O's defensive minded head coach of all time. Maybe he's not a great general manager, but he's a good defensive minded. If Bill Belichick is more worried about Dalton Schultz than anybody else, that should speak for that should say more than anything you and I have said. I I, I agree. And I will say I'll, we'll we'll close it out with this. Um, you know, not to not to break I'm not breaking any news or anything, but did talk to to his agent yesterday. Um and he did say, hey, technically this is not a holdout. He's just skipping voluntary workouts. So if you're a Cowboys fan and you're panicking that he's, you know, holding out, you know, he's going to take the – it doesn't sound like that's what's going to happen. It sounds like this is more of a, hey, I'm going to skip the stuff that I don't need to be at because I want to get these contract things going in the right direction. So – Again, we're still here in August having this discussion. It's a different, different sort of topic right now. He's going to do what makes sense for him from a business perspective. It's June. It's early install. It's nothing to really sweat. It's the same quarterback, same head coach, same offense. Like, don't worry about it. If it's August, then start worrying. If you keep tweeting at me that Dalton Schultz sucks, though, I'm going to yell at you because that's a bad take. (laughs) And don't tweet it at me either. I, yeah, tweet it. Tweet tweet all your Dalton Schultz insults and what he does bad at Mark Schofield, please. Um, he is now taking over that. I will take over. I will take. I will bear the brunt of the Dalton Schultz sucks takes. How about that? Yeah, it's, so it's my you, it's my off season gift to my buddy Connor. If you have any issues with Dalton Schultz, the contract situation, uh, follow Mark on Twitter at Mark Schofield and uh, tweet him all your issues, and he will he will respond to every single one. So. Appreciate it. Uh, appreciate you guys listening. Um, hopefully next time we hop on here, we'll have a little bit more to talk about as OTAs will be wrapping up. We'll have some some ideas on how these guys are doing. But it's been a slow off season. It'll start to slow down a little bit more. But training camp will be here before you know it, and then it's going to get real fun. So thank you guys for listening. Make sure you continue to subscribe, rate, like, review. We always appreciate that. Make sure you keep tuning in to all the other shows as well. Uh, we are talking to Star, and we'll be back next week. Thank you.